All right, praise God. So time for uh, another discipleship class, and we are excited about class number 11, and I'm not exactly sure what these slides are doing. This one, uh, there we go, amen. For some reason it left the uh, subheading off, but there it is. The Ministry of Reconciliation, obviously we started that last week, that was the title of last week's class, and then tonight we're going to transition over into the Word of Reconciliation. We mentioned that uh, briefly uh, on last week. It was part of that large portion of uh, Scripture that we worked our way through, uh, kind of breaking it down and going through it line upon line, in some cases word upon word, to, to really, I think, you know, better grasp and understanding. And so we're going to obviously do it much quicker than we did last week, but we're going to uh, begin by going back through those verses just to read them to you. Uh, to refamiliarize you uh, with them. But hey, before we do that, uh, let's, let's pray together. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. Father, thank you that, that we're expecting more tonight in our time together than we can produce on our own, Father. Lord, I, I thank you for preparation. I thank you for uh, those, Lord, who have come ex- exciting, excited rather, and, and expecting, uh, Lord, to, to hear from you and to receive from you. And Lord, all these things are so important. But, but, but Father, apart from you, we can do nothing. And, and we, we look to you. We look to your Holy Spirit. We look to your Holy Word tonight. And we thank you, Father, for uh, renewing our minds, uh, bringing life transformation, Lord, to pass. Uh, Lord, may we leave this time together, uh, Father, more equipped and more aware and, and with greater understanding and perspective, Father, than we had when we began. Thank you, Lord, for helping us bring our hearts to attention. Thank you, Father, for the commitment that's represented both in this room and those watching online. Father, not just to, to these classes, but Father, to the, to the greater purposes of discipleship, uh, Lord, that you have for us in our lives. Thank you for good things now in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen, Amen, and Amen. So let's go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and we'll begin at verse number 14. And as we said last uh, week, the crossroads of many important doctrines. So there's a lot that's uh, going on here. For those of you who are in the room, do do you understand better after we did what we did last week what we mean by that statement, the crossroads of many important doctrines? Yes, no, maybe. I hope I was trying to, you know, emphasize that as as we worked our way through. So, for example, we start out talking about Jesus being the one who died for all. Um, It'll probably be uh, December, maybe even uh, early January before we really dig into what it means to receive salvation, what it means to be born again. But again, as we said last week, I'll just remind you, uh, there will not be a class from here until number 36 that we will not either directly or indirectly refer to one of these many different subjects that's uh, you know, mentioned, uh, brought together here. But what I'm ultimately, again, and I believe the Holy Spirit is ultimately wanting us to see, is what all these important teachings and doctrines and truths, uh, how they all come together, how they work together, and, and then ultimately what you know, our part is in all of this. What, what, what do we do with all this? And, of course, we see that every born-again believer has been called to do the work of the ministry. We've covered that in, in previous classes. And reconciliation is about a lot of things. And one of the things that reconciliation is about, if I could just put it as simply as I know how to put it, it's about getting on the same page with God, getting on the same page with God. And, and understanding what he had in mind when he had you and me in mind. Understanding what he desires for us. Because one day when we stand before him, and I'm, I don't tell you this to, to scare you, but I do want to warn you. When we stand before him one day, we'll give an account. 
Uh, we will answer to him for what we did with what we were given. And, you know, there's so many people in the body of Christ who don't even understand what the ministry of reconciliation is, much less that God has actually given that ministry to them. And so when we talk about what we've been given, we've been given the ministry of reconciliation. We've been given the Word of God, the Word of reconciliation, to make us effective in performing uh, the work of the ministry as it relates to the ministry of reconciliation. And so I've said all that to say this. When we stand before God one day, uh, we will be judged uh, based upon how many TikTok videos we watched. or No, it's based upon how well we performed and, and, and what we did with what we were given. And so I think it's very important then for uh, me as a servant leader, remember my job, i got a lot of jobs, but one of my jobs is to equip those who have been born again, individual members of the body of Christ, to equip you to be able to do what it is that, that God has put you on this earth, created you, recreated you in Christ Jesus uh, to do. Amen. And so we'll be held accountable to this. We'll, we'll answer one day. Uh, for, for how we handled this and what we did with the things that we were, were given. I don't, I don't, when I say held accountable and when I, and I talk about being judged um, so that you can be rewarded, remember your, your right standing with God is not based upon your works. It's not based upon your performance. It's based upon what Jesus has already done for you. Okay? But your rewards one day in heaven uh, will be based upon uh, what you and I do with what we were given. Amen. All right. So let's uh, go through this, and I'll try to be, uh, you know, just laser focused and only comment on what the Holy Spirit would have us comment on again tonight. But it begins with the love of Christ compels us because we judge or determine thus that if one died for all, then all died. And he, of course, being Jesus, he died for all that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. So let me just make this one comment, okay? The, the one, one thing I think that we all have in common uh, to some extent in this room and those watching online is that in the past we've lived for ourselves. And, and you know, we have to remember how unfulfilling, how unrewarding it is to live a life just based upon what you want and, and, and what you can get from other people and what's in it for me and what am I going to get out of this and, and that being the, you know, the primary uh, determining factor of whether or not we're in or out. You know, what's in it for me? What's in it for me, right? And, and that's not how life was meant to be lived. And, and when we buy into that approach to life and living, uh, it's, it's going to lead us uh, to places we do not want to be. Amen. And so what are we doing? We, we are uh, no longer living for ourselves, but we're living for him who died for us and rose again. He lives for you. Let, let's make sure we understand this. Again, another doctrine that we probably did not point out, but, but you know what Jesus did for you on the cross, in the grave, in the belly of the earth, in hell itself, and then in his resurrection, his ascension to the right hand, he, he did all that for you. He died for you. He now lives for you. The Bible says he ever lives to be an advocate for you. He ever lives to represent you. He ever lives to plead your case and your cause uh, in, in the highest courts of heaven. Amen. And so he, he died for you and now he lives for you. And, and he set an example for you and me to follow uh, that we are now going to what live uh, for him. And when we get on the same page, you know, living for the one who lived and died for us and now lives for us, 
this, this is where we find that sweet spot of life we mentioned over and over again. All right, praise God. Therefore, so in light of these truths and others, from now on we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we've known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know Him thus no longer. So in the same way there was more to Jesus than met the eye, there is more to you and me now than meets the eye. Let's keep going. Verse 17, therefore, again, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, not will be but is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God. And it said now last week, right? And if we read this again next Wednesday, it'll still say now. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to Himself, who has reconciled us to Himself. Again, pay close attention to the verb tenses. It's not talking about something He's going to do or something that will one day be uh, the case or reality. <clears throat> but it is something that has already occurred. He has reconciled us to Himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us, has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now that's a really important phrase right there, has committed to us the word of reconciliation. We will spend at least one whole class, if not more, on what this word of reconciliation is and what it means and why it's uh, so uh, important, all right? Now, again, there's another now, talking about an established reality. Uh, now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Let me uh, come back on screen for a moment for those watching online. On Wednesday evenings, we've been uh, revisiting some things uh, from the Word and we've kind of established, you know, a, a pattern, I think, that we need to understand. Because the Bible tells us to acknowledge every good thing that's in us. And, of course, we see that word acknowledge in, in other places and translations and verses, important verses in the Bible. But as simple as it may sound, I think it's worthy of mentioning again here, uh, it's impossible to acknowledge something you have no knowledge of. So it's got to begin with knowledge, and that's, of course, one of the reasons that we're here together tonight is for the Holy Spirit to take the Holy Word of God and bring knowledge and understanding uh, to, to you and me, okay? But once we have knowledge of something, then we're in a position to acknowledge it. And acknowledge it is, is when you uh, believe it and receive it and, and, and accept it, if you will, for yourself, for yourself. And so here's a classic example, for God so loved the world. And so I could stand up here all night and talk about how much God loves and how much God loves people and how much God loves the world and what He's done for the world, what He's given to the world. Um, but that's not the same as you acknowledging His love for you. And if you're not careful, you will hear these things and even say amen to them, but either consciously or subconsciously, you'll be thinking about, well, yeah, He, he loves this person, He loves that person, but I don't see how He could love me. Okay. In 1 John, the Bible talks about our knowing and believing the love that God has for us. So to acknowledge is, is when we're moving towards the accepting, if you will, that this is something that is true about me right now. This is true about me right now. You see, when, when we begin to acknowledge, and then after the acknowledgement comes the awareness or the consciousness of it, where you know, this is when we really, you know, these things start to change how we even carry ourselves, um, how we view the world around us and our place in it. How, how we, um, you know, uh, we've already looked at what it means to be a royal priesthood, right? Generation Christ, for those of you who were here. You do realize that, that members of, of the royal family carry themselves differently. 
And that doesn't mean arrogance or haughtiness by any stretch of the imagination. But it, but it does in, involve a confidence. Amen. Are you with me? It does, it does involve an assurance and a, and a knowing. Um, when others are scratching their head because they have no idea what to do next. Um, because you have the greater one in you. And he's greater than anything in this world against you. You realize that there's nothing you will ever face in life that you can't overcome and solve with God's help and with his power working in you and through you. And so this is where, again, we go from not knowing to knowing, from knowing to acknowledging, and from acknowledging to then living with a constant awareness or consciousness um, of, of, of these things uh, that are in us and, 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 and God being for us and God caring for us. Man, one of the devil's favorite deceptions is, is, to, is to trick people and deceive people into thinking that God doesn't care. And, and we see in different places in the scriptures, even the inner circle, when, when they were in the storm and Jesus was asleep in the boat, you know, they accused Jesus of not caring. Do you not care that we're about to drown? You know, and there are a lot of people who have gotten in ignorance and confusion. They've gotten mad at God and they've accused God of not caring. Um, how dare we? Amen. <laughs> are we going to literally accuse the one who bled to death naked on a cross for us just to give us the opportunity to return and be reconciled to our father? Right. Are we going to accuse him of not caring? He ever lives to make intercession for you and you're going to accuse him of not caring? Are you, are you follow what I'm saying here? So again, it's the going from knowing to not knowing. Then once you know, acknowledge, that's when you say, okay, he's not just talking about somebody. He's talking about me. This is true about me. And we begin to lean into this and embrace this um, for ourselves by faith. Amen. If you wait for evidence in your life that you've been made just as right before God in the eyes of God as Jesus, if you wait for evidence in your life to believe that, you'll never see the evidence. Right? So what we're talking about now, and I'm, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but I, I feel like we need to at least mention it now. Okay? is we're talking about believing these things are true because the Word of God says they're true, not because there's necessarily any evidence in our lives yet that says we're, that it's true. Remember, Abraham believed he was the father of a multitude before he was ever the father of one. He believed God had made him something he could never make himself, amen, before there was ever any physical, natural evidence to support what he believed. He believed it because God said it. He believed it because God said, I have made you, not will make you, he said, I have made you the father of many nations. I have made you the father of many nations. See, Abraham's brain did what our brains often do. God says, I have made you the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I have made you free from sin. But we don't hear have made. We hear will make. We don't hear he has made us. We hear he will make us. Right? Because we look at the natural physical evidence in our lives and we, and we don't see any evidence of freedom, but we see a lot of evidence of, 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 of addiction to sin, of, of a bondage, of uh, effects of sin and addiction and bondage and slavery and all these things to sin. Right? And so we look at that and we go, well, you know, not yet, but maybe one day. But no, at some point you have to believe what God said, even when there are all kinds of things in your life that says it's not true, that it's not so. Amen. Are you with me now? So if he says you're an ambassador, remember what I told you last week, agree with him and agree with him quickly. If he, if he says this is what's true about you, don't wait. Please don't wait until you see some evidence in your life reality before you believe it. 
See, I often have, and a lot of times people say, hear me now, we're, this is important, just hear me, please. People come up to me and say, hey, Pastor, believe, believe with me for a good report on Friday. They're going to have some kind of test or something run on Friday. And they want me to believe with them to have a good report on Friday. Listen, I, under, I understand that, but I've learned over the years, right, more times than not when people tell me that, they're waiting to see what the report from the doctor is before they decide what they're going to believe. If we're waiting on the report to believe what God says, we're not in faith yet. We're not in faith yet. Amen. So we're going to believe what God said. Amen. Even <laughs> if the report is negative. We're, are you following what I'm saying? Maybe I've gone too far for some of you. You still with me? All right. So now then we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. He's saying literally, when you use the word of reconciliation and you open your mouth to speak to another person, it's as if God Himself is speaking through you to that person. That's powerful to be one with God like that and to be used uh, in, in, the, in the family business like that alongside a co-laborer, alongside God. Be reconciled to God. And then verse 21, He made Him who knew no sin. Jesus knew no sin. He knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. Wow, 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 wow. All right, so this ministry of reconciliation, let's start again uh, just to remind you, what does it mean to, to reconcile? And it means to reestablish a oneness and fellowship between. To reestablish, not just establish, but reestablish uh, oneness and fellowship or oneness and fellowship between two parties that for whatever reason were previously one and in fellowship, but something has severed, something has, has, has broken that oneness and fellowship. And so reconciliation is when a previous uh, position of oneness and fellowship has been broken and now it's reestablished. Amen. And so we see then that God is about reconciliation. He is about the reestablishment of oneness and fellowship between him and his people, between him and when I say his children, I mean, I use that term loosely, by those that he created. Amen. That's what Father God desires. That's what Jesus paid the ultimate price to produce. And that's the ministry now that we've all been given. It's this ministry of helping others become reconciled, reestablished in oneness and fellowship uh, with God. Now, we also see this word reconcile. It means to make compatible or consistent. To make compatible or consistent. Okay? And so this idea of compatibility, we're going to talk a lot about that. Amen? I can't wait to explain to you why God made you in His image and in His likeness. But, but He ultimately did that uh, so that there could be compatibility between you and Him. Amen. If He had not made you so much like Himself, it would have been impossible for Him to, to have the kind of fellowship and, and oneness and compatibility with you that, that He desires to have. So to make compatible or consistent. Last week we used the example of uh, a husband and wife, you know, together as one in fellowship, 
issues developed in the marriage. They separated, but then they reconciled. They came back together. They were once again reestablished in oneness and, and, and fellowship, right? And so notice, you know, I think perhaps the, the, the number one cause, I guess, for divorce, we've all heard the expression irreconcilable differences, right? In other words, there's differences that, that, that are irreconcilable. Well, uh, I got good news for you. There, there are no irreconcilable differences between uh, a human being and God, amen, other than, I guess, a person being just stubborn and refusing to accept for themselves what Jesus has already done for them. So to reconcile then means to make compatible or consistent. So when I begin tonight by saying we've got to get on the same page with God, that's, that's where this consistency comes into play, right? Where our thoughts becoming more and more consistent with God's thoughts, where our desires and our will is becoming more and more consistent with His desires, His thoughts, His will. Now, this next one, to check against another for accuracy, to check against another for accuracy. This, this would be a, a deeper meaning of uh, this idea of reconciliation. And let me, let me see if I can explain it to you this way. Uh, and this, every year that goes by, uh, this, uh, <laughs> this becomes a little more, um, I, I say outdated. It's, it, it, it's, you know, so much of has, has, our world has gone digital uh, in, in, since the 20 years that we've been teaching this class, okay? But do you at least understand the concept of reconciling a checkbook? Anybody? The idea, the concept, I see two people nodding. Okay, for those of you who, I see some more folks. Sorry, thank you. All right, appreciate the feedback. Amen. Because if you don't understand that concept, we're, we gotta, we gotta, it's going to take us a lot longer to explain this. All right. So the idea is, um, you know, so we use the debit card. That's where reconciling the checkbook really took uh, a downward spiral, right? Uh, that debit card. Because now all of a sudden we're making purchases and that money's coming out of our checking account, but we don't have that little book anymore that we're, we're writing it in, the registry, okay? And so when we reconcile a checkbook, uh, the idea is that, you know, we, we have money in an account that we've been making purchases uh, from that account now, writing checks, using the debit card, uh, automatic withdrawals. Well, that's another big one right there. You know what I'm saying? All of a sudden, they're taking your, your uh, car payment out because you got a discount on your interest, right, for the automatic withdrawal. Well, now, you know, you have some idea. Watch this now. You have some idea of how much money you have. But then you get that statement. Now, that can come online, email, or it can come in the mail, right? But you get the statement at the end of the month, and you look at what you think you have in the bank, and then that statement tells you what you actually have in the bank, all right? And so when you reconcile your checkbook, notice what you're doing. You're bringing it into agreement with the truth. <laughs> You're bringing it into agreement with the statement that comes from the bank. Okay? Are you with me? So, uh, do, do what now? I'm so sorry. Okay, praise God. No flashbacks. I'm not trying to uh, throw you into some kind of fit of anxiety here. Okay, all right. So, so this is what we mean by to check against another for accuracy. To check against another for accuracy. I was... Um, I was replacing part of the wooden fence in my, in my backyard, 
and uh, some of it, it's a long story. Pam and I bought a, a really nice home, but it was on the, it had been foreclosed on before the tornadoes came through in, in 2011. And so got a really good deal on it, but needed a lot of work, and that's fine. We like, you know, projects and, 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 and that sort of thing. And so one of the things is this fence was, it had part of it had been blown down, and the bank guys had just kind of janked it up and patched it up, you know. And so it was time to tackle that project. And, you know, I was thinking the wooden posts that were cemented in the ground that I could just replace the sections of fence in between those posts, okay? And that would save me from having to dig all those up and, and all that work. And I was doing fine as I started to my right and was working my way around. But then I got to one post, and it was just really bad. And I was like, okay, I'm going to have to replace this one. And so um, I, uh, I, I dug it up, and I actually didn't dig it up. I was, I was pulling on it like this, and the thing broke off, and I almost crashed my head into the diving board. God was with me, okay, amen. So it's a long way down from up here if y'all hadn't figured that out, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm not the smallest guy God ever made. But anyway, I got the new post in there, man, just perfect, okay. And then when I stepped back and looked at it, I realized how messed up all those other posts were, right? They were all kind of twisted and crooked, but one twisted post against another twisted, crooked post doesn't look too bad, until you check it against another one for accuracy. Now that I've got the straight post in there, I'm realizing, okay, these are out of alignment, they're, they're out of plumb, they're bent, they're twisted, they're crooked, and, and it exposed, if you will, uh, the inconsistencies. There comes another word, right, that's associated with reconciliation. It exposed those inconsistencies. You still with me? All right. So... What then is this statement uh, of tr you know from the bank? You know how, wh what do we use? You know what is the straight post uh, for us to bring our post, the post of our life, into alignment or to agreement with? Well, it's it's of course Jesus, uh, but that's a big statement. Uh, so let's let's simplify it. It's the Word of God. The Word of God is truth. Amen. His Word is truth. I'll show you some verses that coincide with all this here in just a moment. His Word is truth. So when we talk about these two branches, and I'll put that uh, uh, diagram back up in just a moment as well. When we talk about these two branches of the ministry of reconciliation with discipleship being the second branch, branch number two of the ministry of reconciliation, we're talking about this process, right, where, you know, we have this way of thinking and we have this way of living and this way of doing things that we've done it for years, right, because that's how our mama and them did it and and. You know, so many people live their lives with a survival mindset. They live their lives with a lack mindset because they learned life from survivors. They learned life from people who had a lack mindset, right? And, they, and that's how we were raised. It's, 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 it's how we live. If you've read my book, Becoming a Threat to Addiction, there's a, there's a section in there that's called Not My Mama Spaghetti. Amen? And, and you know... What I call spaghetti was how my mama made spaghetti, right? Then we go to these other, first time I can remember as a little kid going to somebody else's house for dinner, and we were having spaghetti, and I love spaghetti, okay? But whatever they put on the plate in front of me that night was not spaghetti, okay? Or at least it wasn't my mama's spaghetti. But thinking about that years later, you know, I thought, you know what? If I had been raised in the Jimerson household, Okay, that was the family that we ate with. And that was, I had eaten Mrs. Jimerson's spaghetti my whole life. Then that would have been spaghetti for me. And, and I'm, I'm trying to use something that we can relate to 
Uh, because so many times, you know, the Bible says there's a way that seems right, but the end leads to death. And it's very easy for us to do our lives a certain way and think it's right because that's all we've ever known, okay? But then we get this statement called the Bible, right? And, and we see, okay, this is, this is what we think is right. This is what we think we have. And, but then the Bible says, no, no, this is what is right. This is what you really have. And that's not, a, listen to me, that's not a bummer. As, as a matter of fact, who you truly are and what you truly have been given is so far beyond and so much more and so much greater than what we think is even possible for somebody to have and be is that we just dismiss it as, as, as being you know, ridiculous, as, as not being true. Okay, So we, when we talk about this ministry of reconciliation and the two branches that it takes, we're talking about the first branch being uh, you know, where we're born again it, it, through salvation. And then the second branch being discipleship, which is this process of, of the renewing of our minds or where we're bringing, uh, you know, what we think into alignment with what God says. Yes, you, you with me? Okay. And, and this is where we grow. Matter of fact, that's, that, that's, that's how... One of my favorite Bible teachers was... was um, his name's Keith Moore, and, and I was listening to him the other day. And, you know, he was talking about um, if, if something has changed from good to bad, then it can change back from, from, from bad to good. Amen. In other words, if, if it's something in this created realm, if it's something you can see, if it's, if it's something natural, physical, it's temporary, it's subject to change. Amen. Are you with me? So how do we then experience that change? How, how, how do we, um, you know, how does it go from something that we read in the Bible, Abraham, I have made you the father of many nations, to here comes uh, Sarah with the baby carriage, right? How, how, do, how do we go from the, the uh, inward reality, here we go again, okay, the inward reality of the new birth to it becoming an outward expression of life? Well, it involves this ministry of reconciliation where we're coming into alignment with God. We're coming into agreement with God. We're, we're seeing things the way He sees them. We're, we're talking the way he, 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 he talks about things. We're saying what He says. Amen. Praise God. Some of you are acting like you're not too interested in this. I Maybe just thinking, okay? But see, this, this is... This is what's missing in so many people's lives. This is why so many people are so disillusioned with Christianity. It's why so many people are walking away from the church and, and, and they're, they're trying to find answers in, in other things and in other areas because no one's ever explained to them the simple pattern of come and I will give, learn and you'll find. Right? And so because everything doesn't just automatically revolutionize, what's the word I'm trying to say, become revolutionized in their, you know, in their lives in, a, in an instant, right? They, they think it, you know, somehow it's not true or it's not right. And, and of course, we've got an enemy that's trying to pull us further and further away from God's best and, and, and all that aspect of these things. Amen. But this is the, this is the, the difference. This is where the difference is realized. Amen. Where it goes from... You know, the inward reality, what's true about you right now. You, right now, you're an ambassador. Right now, you're a new creation. Right now, old things have passed away and all things are new. Right now, you've been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Right now, you're just as free from sin as, as Jesus is free from sin. Right now. 
Amen. That's all inward reality right now. You're loved as much as Jesus is loved. You're given the same Holy Spirit that Jesus was given. The same glory that Jesus was given. Even John 17. Amen. God has given you the same glory he gave to Jesus in you right now. Right? And, you know, we're like, well, I'm, just, you know, I'm just trying to figure out how to pay my child support, Pastor Mark. You're coming on too strong right here. You know, what, what's up with this, right? But, but, but see, again, how, how, how does all, all of this that's become an inward reality, how does it become this outward expression of life? Well, remember, you live from the inside to the outside. Amen. And, and your thinking is, because as, as a man or woman thinks in his, in his or her heart, so, so is he, so sh- shall she be, so shall he be, right? So God has done these things in your spirit, but as long as there's this, and so here, here we go, to establish harmony between is this next um, part. And again, I'm trying to come at, at reconciliation from these different angles to help you understand what it means, Okay. To establish harmony between. Let me, and I'll be careful here, those of you who've, who've been a part of the Wednesday uh, evening services, and I know that not everyone that would like to be a part of that is able to be a part of that. But, but one of the ways, we've been talking about fellowship on Wednesday nights now for some months, fellowship with God. The Bible says you've been called into the same fellowship with God the Father as Jesus the Son enjoys with God the Father. Okay, not some lesser version. Same access, same opportunity, same benefit, same privilege, same inheritance, all, all of these things, okay? Uh, and and, and, and it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing. And so what we've looked at then is this concept in Scripture, this truth in Scripture, and, and it involves, listen to me very carefully, I'm use some big words, okay? It involves positional oneness, okay? But the positional oneness and then this other phrase, functional oneness. So positional oneness, functional oneness. And inward reality of the new birth is that you've been made one with God. Positionally, you are one with God. You are just as one with God as Jesus is one with the Father. You are as much one with God as your thumb is one with the rest of your body. So also is Christ. One body, many members. Okay? But all those members, one body. And he uses the body to help us understand oneness, both positional and functional. Right? So it's one thing to, to be positionally one with God, to be made one with God. It's another thing altogether, though, to learn how to function as one with God. And, and dysfunction in our lives is what we're trying to eliminate. But the dysfunction that's in our lives is a direct result of our being out of sync with, inconsistent with, not thinking the same as God thinks. So he uses two examples. He uses the human body to help us understand positional, functional oneness. But then he also uses marriage. He uses marriage. Okay. So a, a man and a woman can enter into a covenant, a marriage covenant... Before God, and God will make them one, positionally one. Pam and I were made one 36 plus years ago. Okay? But now, for the last 36 years, we've been learning how to function as one. There's a big difference. Are you seeing this? There's a big difference than being positionally one and functionally one. There are people, and it's, it's sad, but there are people who've been married for years and years and years. They still haven't figured out the functional part yet. They still, they still don't know how to live together. What? In harmony. In oneness. How, how to, um, again, because a marriage is a fellowship, not a relationship. 
And it's not, about, it's not about, see, Jesus didn't come to share his life with you. He came to give his life for you. There's a big difference. There's a big difference. The highest uh, aspiration of, of a relationship mindset is the, is the aspiration of sharing. And it falls short of what fellowship truly is. Fellowship is oneness. Fellowship is um, we all win together, we all lose together. There's no such thing as, as Pam losing and me winning. There's no such thing as something that would be considered a defeat for her to be a victory for me. Okay? But this is what we have with God the Father. This is, this is what He created you and me to experience and enjoy. Amen. And Satan, it, it, it literally drives him insane that God would create you and give you that kind of access, that kind of position with himself. I'm going to show you in the classes to come. It wasn't necessarily pride that was Satan or Lucifer's undoing. It was jealousy. He was jealous of you. He was jealous of who God created you to be and the position that God created you to occupy. Remember what he said, I will be like the Most High. Who did God create to be like the Most High? He created you and me in his image and in his likeness. And Lucifer, he it literally, it was jealousy. And he said in his heart, not I will exalt my throne above God. That's not what he said. Read it. He said, I'll exalt my throne above the offspring of God. I will exalt my throne above these that you call your children, God. Talking about you and me. This is what got him put out of heaven. And he took a third of the angels with him. His, his absolute loathing of who God created you to be and who God says you are to Him. Called to have the same fellowship with God the Father, sit on the same throne together with Jesus. He said, Pastor Mark, that's the most bizarre thing. Uh, people warn me about you. You've lost your mind. Read the Bible. I didn't write Ephesians. The Holy Spirit did. I didn't write Romans. The Holy Spirit did. We're an heir of God, a joint heir with Jesus, entitled to everything from God the Father that Jesus is entitled to. I didn't ask for this. I didn't demand this. I didn't negotiate this deal. Jesus did it for me. As me. And see, we, we have such a hard time understanding why God would do these kinds of things and why He would lavish such grace upon us and why He would show us such kindness and compassion and mercy and generosity. It's because we don't understand fellowship. We try to understand these things through the lens of relationship and not fellowship. God created you to be one with Him. When we you know, left and went off in Adam to do whatever we wanted to do, he never gave up on his desire to be one with you. And when you were born again, you were made one with him. And you will be one with him forever. But listen to me, please. Positional is a free gift. Functional, though, is not automatic. It's not automatic. You keep thinking like somebody who's not born again, you're not going to function as one with God. It's not going to happen. And, it's, and it means you're going to miss out. That doesn't mean you're going to miss out on heaven. That's what, what does it mean we're going to hell? Does that mean we're not going to hell? That's not what I'm saying. But remember, we've already, we've already established your salvation is not just about getting you into heaven one day when you die. It's about getting the Holy Spirit into you. It's about getting God's nature into you. It's about getting God's love into you. It's about getting God's kingdom into you so that He can then work through you into the world around you. 
Well, amen. I feel better. Praise God. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? Amen. I'm not, if, you know, obviously, you know, I, I told you all the classes have a slightly different flavor, a different tone, whatever. Please don't mistake this tone. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not angry with you. I'm not, I'm not frustrated uh, with you or anyone listening to me right now. I'm, I'm frustrated with a religious system that, that, that keeps people uh, uh, ignorant and confused and holds people back from experiencing what God has for, for them to experience, what is freely given to them. And, and because we don't know and um, almost feel compelled sometimes to apologize to those of you who were raised in church and nobody ever even told you the basics, the basics of what it means to be the offspring of God. Nobody ever even explained to you one single inward reality of the new birth. All they told you is that Try to be good so you can maybe make it to heaven one day. And, and, just, and you were there. You were hungry. You were open. You were willing. You wanted to learn. You wanted to know. It's kind of like Brother Copeland says. The missionaries came to, to the, the Native Americans in this country who understood blood covenant perhaps better than any people group on planet earth at the time. But instead of teaching them about covenant, they tried to teach them how to eat with a fork. Help us, Jesus. Help us, Jesus. Help us, Jesus. This your this your life. It's not just your life; it's your eternity. It's 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 things that 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 you've lived a long time without understanding, and we're not in, we're not getting any younger. We God has more than a hundred year plan for our lives. He he obviously you know um, is committed to us for eternity. I'm not, but still, I, I, would not, I would not be doing my job if I didn't tell you that things that we do on this side of heaven will have tremendous impact and influence on where we start on the other side. Hallelujah. Here's another, um, here's another way to understand reconciliation. Reconciliation involves changing from enmity to harmony. To change from enmity to to harmony. And remember, we said that word enmity. It rhymes with enemy. It, it, it has to do with enemy, but it's not the same. Enemy and enmity are not the same word. For those of you listening, uh, can't see the, the word on the screen. It's spelled E-N-M-I-T-Y. Enmity. Enmity. And enmity has to do with lack of harmony. It has to do with the lack of or the absence of um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Um, unity or, or oneness, uh, agreement. Thank you, Holy Spirit. It's the lack of agreement, or we could say enmity is disagreement. And if you recall last week, it just kind of rushed that last part, but I'll just go back to it. There's, there is an enmity spectrum, you know, um, a scale, we could say it that way, you know, from zero to ten, you know. Um, so enmity can be anything, you know, as, as mild as just a difference of opinion on one end of the spectrum all the way to violent hatred on the other end, okay? So enmity is a word that I want you to be familiar with if, if you're not, if you've never heard, if you don't understand. 
because we're going we're gonna to talk a lot about enmity in the classes that we still have uh, ahead of us. Um, you'll see this word come up a lot. It, it may be like one of those words that you've never heard before, but then all of a sudden in your daily Bible reading you start seeing it, especially in the New Testament, you know, almost everywhere you look. Um, it, it is uh, an important word. And so reconciliation is this change from enmity to harmony, where we go from a place or a position of enmity against God to a place or position of harmony with God. Now, you are a three-dimensional being. You are a spirit. You have a soul. You live in a body. So when we talk about reconciliation and going from enmity to harmony, we need to understand that three-dimensionally. In other words, we need to go from enmity to harmony in our spirit. We need to go from enmity and harmony in our soul, and then ultimately enmity to harmony in our outward life expression. And so that's why we have these two branches or two primary divisions of the ministry of reconciliation. And the first one is the new birth. This is review from end of class last week. New birth is when somebody gets saved, somebody receives salvation. There's different ways of, of communicating what this means. All right, somebody's born again. But this experience and this branch, division, if you will, of the ministry of reconciliation is when the enmity between an individual and God is removed. Okay? And that would, of course, be, remember, it's your spirit that's born again. Spirit is where um, we become a new creation. Spirit is where old things passed away. Spirit's where all things become new. Your soul was not born again. Your body was not born again. To say that all things became new in your body through salvation was inaccurate. To say that all things became new in your soul, which is your mind, emotions, and will, again, that would be inaccurate. Okay? But where did everything become new? Where did old things pass away and every single detail become absolutely brand spanking new? Your born-again spirit. Remember Nicodemus? We talked about him a few weeks back. Jesus was explaining the new birth, and you must be born again to see the kingdom. You must be born again to enter the kingdom. And Nicodemus says, how can a man when he's old, full grown, go back into his mother's womb? He was trying to understand it from a flesh-first, physical-only perspective. And Jesus said, no, 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 no. What's born of the flesh is flesh. What's born of the Spirit is spirit. Unless you're born of water, physically, naturally, and the Spirit. So he's talking about two births. The first one being a natural physical birth. The second one being a spiritual new birth. A spiritual new birth. And so this new birth removes the enmity that existed between an individual and God. Sin separates. Sin separates. You know how I tell you there's one word I want you to think of first and foremost when you hear the word wisdom? Results. There's one word that I want you to hear. There's one word I want you to think of first and foremost when you hear another word, and that's the word death. When you hear the word death, I want you to think separation. Death equals separation. Wisdom equals results. Death equals separation. Why? That sounds odd, Pastor. Why? Okay. So when someone is spiritually dead, that's when their spirit 
has been separated from God, who is a spirit. Okay? So that's spiritual death. Physical death is when the spirit and soul separate from the body, like a hand slipping out of a glove, with the hand being the spirit and the soul, with the glove being the body. So the hand, spirit, and soul in the body animates the body. When someone passes, I preached a funeral this week, when, when sister passed, amen, her spirit and soul slipped out of her body. For a born-again believer to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. Amen? Okay? All right. So death equals separation. Because the Bible talks a lot about death. Watch this. To be carnally minded is death. Okay? It's enmity. The carnal mind is enmity. I've got verses. They're not in my notes right now. I'm just, we're, we're freestyling because the Holy Spirit's leading me to do it. Okay? Can you stay with me for a minute on this? We'll get back to the notes in just a second. So to be carnally minded, what does that mean? It's, it's someone who's born again but, but doesn't think like someone who's been born again. Carnally minded means someone who is spiritually new, but in their mind they still think like the old person they were instead of the new person they became. And the Bible says that carnal mind is enmity against God. So, there, so now we're back to that enmity, right? Where's the enmity? Is the enmity in the spirit? No, it's in the thinking. It's in the thinking, God says it's one way, we think another. God says it works like this, we say, no, it works like that. God says, this is who I made you, and we go, there's no way I could be that. There's no way. And so there's the enmity, right? We're thinking like somebody who's not been born again. When you think like somebody who's been born again, right, and God says, you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, you go, thank you, Lord, yes, I am. Amen. Okay? Are you seeing this? So the carnal mind, carnal mind is enmity against God, and also he says the carnal mind is death. Now, it would be very easy and, and, you know, for a preacher, teacher, you know, to tear off down into you live by and for the flesh, you're going to die. You're going to die prematurely. It's going to end your life. It's going to shorten your life. And, and they would not be, you know, totally inaccurate in that. A born-again believer can live by and for their flesh and come to an early end of life outside of what God desired and planned and purposed for them, okay? But I'm also asking you to see this in a broader sense. Because a born-again man or a woman who still thinks like someone who has not been born again will also be separated from experiencing and enjoying the inward realities of the new birth. Are you seeing this? So to be carnally minded as death means to be separated from the experience of living your life as a righteous man or woman of God. The carnal, to be carnally minded as death means your thinking is separating you from the freedom from sin that God has already uh, given you and made you. Are you, are you picking up what I'm putting down? Are you seeing this, right? So it's, it's bringing that separation. Yes, ma'am. Pastor Mark, what did you just say about, you said a born-again believer, something about dying, like them dying early? Yes. What, what? Yes. Yeah, so, yeah, so someone who saved, born again, right? But instead of coming into agreement with God, living their lives, continue to live for themselves, continue to pursue the flesh, continuing to... To, listen, I've seen it. I mean, I don't want to just, you know, pile on with, with people who struggle with heroin addiction and things of this nature. But, I mean, I get members of my family very near and dear to me that in heaven early because they went after opiates, <laughs> obviously opposed to what God had for them, right? So, so does that, maybe I, sometimes I go through things. I'm so sorry, sister. Yeah. Does she know the Lord? He? Did he know the Lord? Yeah. So he's with Jesus. 
It's not, you know, everybody, you know, religiously minded people, their noses in there. He was doing wrong when he, you know, if he was born again, he was God's, he was God's son, you know. Um, and, and, and he's with the Lord, okay. But obviously that was not God's highest and best plan for your friend's life, you know. Um, and so, you know, go, listen, we, it's easy to talk about, you know, uh, drug and drink, right? You know what I'm saying? But there's a whole, there's a whole lot of folks, you know, that, that eat too much, that don't take care of themselves, right? Again, that's living by and for the flesh. You know, we'd, we'd rather, you know, eat half a dozen donuts than, um, um, you know, a boneless, skinless chicken breast. And, and then it starts leading to all these things, uh, you know, in our bodies. So living by and for the flesh can absolutely cause our lives to end early. It's not God's plan. It's not God's purpose. But he still loves us. He hadn't turned his back on us, right? Um, so obviously there's a lot at stake. Yes, are y'all with me? There's a lot, of, there's a lot going on here. There's a lot at stake here. And, uh, and obviously Satan is the one. Some of you look like you're checking out on me. Y'all still with me? Yeah. Yeah. It's always interesting, you know, like somebody asks a question and it's almost like, well, he's just talking to her. No, I'm, we're, still, everybody, we're still talking to everybody, right? I mean, we're still learning together. Okay. Amen, Romy. You still good? All right. So the new birth, the new birth. So the enmity that was between you that separated you, spiritual death, right? That separated you and me from God. When we were born again, that, that separation, that enmity uh, was removed. And what we see in Scripture is that the old you, because the real you is your spirit deep inside of you. That real you was, the old real you <laughs> was buried in an unmarked grave with Jesus. And he put, God put a new spirit in you. And then we'll, we get the new birth. We'll cover all this in, this in the Bible. I'll show it to you in the scriptures. Okay. But he put a new spirit in you and then he put his spirit in you. And your new spirit and God's Holy Spirit became one spirit. Okay. And, and that's that positional oneness that, that we have, amen, with God. So the new birth removes the enmity between an individual and God, all right? But then discipleship is about removing the enmity within a person, primarily between their soul and born-again spirit. Now, Do you see why I keep talking about spirit, soul, and body? Because there's a lot of these things that we're getting into now that are very challenging for us to understand if we do not have an understanding of spirit, soul, and body. Okay? So when we say the carnal mind is enmity, we're not talking about spirit. We're talking about soul. Your soul is your mind, emotions, and will. Your thoughts, your feelings, and your choices. And when we still have the mind or the mindset or someone who thinks like someone who uh, doesn't know God, that's never been born again, has not been made righteous, has not been made free from sin, has not been uh, given the spirit of truth, the leading God us in all truth, right? So these things are what we mean when we say enmity within a person. And so discipleship is a process Discipleship is a process. Being born again is not a prolonged process. When you call upon the name of the Lord and receive salvation, you pass from death to life. It's, it's an instant process. And it is a completed work. Okay? It's very important. It's a completed work. It was not... 
a baby Jesus wrapped in swaddling clothes who came to live inside of you. He is not growing up in you. You are growing up in Him. Okay, what does that mean? Well, when we were born again, the Bible says we put on Christ. You can picture this in your mind, I think, relatively easy. Okay, uh, a toddler who slips his small feet into his dad's shoes and starts clonking around in them, right? We are in Jesus, and now the Scripture uses the imagery of we're now growing up into Him. But we're not just in Him, He's in us. And He is not the baby Jesus in the manger. He's the resurrected, glorified Lord who came to live inside of us. Amen. Amen. So this is where spiritual growth, and I've already used that term throughout several of our classes together. This is where spiritual growth gets a little bit confusing because the... It's really not your spirit necessarily that's growing as much as it is your mind coming into agreement with the truth and reality of what God has already done inside of you. And now what we're seeing is more and more of these inward realities of the new birth becoming outward expressions of life. Okay, so here is the diagram. Um, It's real simple. Okay. (laughs) I hope you weren't disappointed if you didn't see it last week. Okay. Amen. Um, But again, I want you to see that there are two branches. Now, how do we get somebody born again? By using the Word of God to tell them the story of Jesus. How do do we bring somebody, uh, you know, into agreement with and, and alignment with Jesus? Again, you can't do either one of these without the Word of God. Now, I want you to see, though, in the following verses, how both branches of the ministry of reconciliation are referred to. And so here is a verse that we've already looked at uh, more than once. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Okay, that's pretty, pretty simple, right? Do you see the two branches there? Desires for all to be saved, that would be referring to the new birth. And then to come to the knowledge of the truth. That would be referring to what? The branch of, of discipleship, the ministry of reconciliation. Now, let's, let's hold the phone here for just a second. It's not just enough for you and me to understand what it is. We're, we're learning what we've been given here. We'll never understand the ministry of reconciliation unless we understand it in light of these two branches. We'll never understand even how to do it if we don't know what it is. How can we acknowledge what we have no knowledge of? So I'm giving you a bigger picture now to see because every one of us has a role to play in both of these branches. Both in our participation, receiving the new birth. I trust that's everyone listening to me right now, watching online. But then also whatever God does in you, and better remember this, whatever He does in you, He ultimately wants to do through you. So once you become a recipient of salvation, now what are we doing? Now we're going to tell other people what He's done for us so that they also can have the opportunity to receive this same gift. Same is true when it comes to discipleship. Amen. 
As we are growing up into Jesus, we're becoming more and more equipped. But what did Jesus say? He didn't just say, go get people saved. He said, go make disciples. And it takes one to make one. Am I right about it? It takes one to make one. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. I feel like I've lost, I've lost some of you. Are y'all good tonight? You still with me? Thank you, Jesus. Eyes being opened. All right, so let's go back to it now. Two branches. So we see it here. Desires all men to be saved, come to the knowledge of the truth. Please, yes. Okay, so the who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Yes. Amen. Amen. That's a, that's a, that's a good way uh, to, to look at it. I, I try to emphasize this. Um, sometimes I feel like I overemphasize it almost to the point of, of being um, annoying. <laughs> uh, but just to clarify, and, and I'll try to be more diligent, okay? Just to clarify, um, male and female created he them, okay? So there are male gender men and there are female gender men, okay? Let me say it another way. This is my favorite way to say it, okay? There are men who have a womb and there are men who do not have a womb. So there are men and there are womb men. There are, there are men with wombs, also known as female gender, okay? So the Bible is not... When, anytime the Bible uses the expression men... Um, on extremely rare occasion, and if it is, it will be obvious from the context that, for example, when he addresses a husband, okay, or when he addresses a wife, he's, spe he's speaking directly to the wife. For example, when he, when he tells men to love their wives as Christ loved the church, he's not talking to women. <laughs> he's, he's talking to men, right? Are you following me? All right, but now watch this, and I'm not, just hear me, please. Just hear me. I'm not trying to frustrate you. When he tells women to submit to their husbands, he's not talking to the husbands. He's talking to the women. Why, why am I emphasizing that? Because, again, men are the ones who want to tell the women, you better submit to God. No, no, see, again, he wasn't talking to me when he told my wife to submit to me. He was talking to her. And whether or not she does is between her and God. It's not, it's not. <laughs> Right? Right? Okay. Now, again, we live in a world that has so skewed what all that means. When he told the husband to love the wife as Christ loved the church, has there ever been a greater act of humility and submission on behalf of someone else's well-being than what Jesus did for you and me? And that whole section of Scripture begins with this expression. Submit to one another. See, fellowship doesn't work with one-sided submission. Are you, are you following what I'm saying? 
Okay. So I try to emphasize that, but when, he, when he's talking about men, he's talking about mankind, both female and male. And notice, I'm not here to try to get cheap laughs or amens or anything about that, but you know, it's this right here, the devil is, is just working so hard. There's no line that God has drawn that the devil doesn't want to blur. And certainly this is one that we're seeing in our society today. Amen. So who desires all men, ones who have a womb that can, that can carry a child, and men who can't, okay, um, to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So the, again, you see the two branches, new birth. All right, let's go to Galatians 4.19. My little children, we've looked at this verse already, but let's go back to it again. Um, previous classes, if you weren't here for all of them, you might have missed it. My little children for whom I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you. You have to look a little closer here to see the two branches. Whom I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you. So implied in laboring birth again is that he has labored in birth previously. And that labor among those in Galatia would have been for them to receive salvation, the new birth. But notice now what the Apostle Paul is saying. I labored among you to, to get the gospel to you so that you could be born again. Now I'm laboring among you so that the inward reality, literally translated, Christ formed in you, the inward reality of the new birth can become an outward expression of life. That's where we get that phrase from, the literal translation of this verse right here. All right. So again, do you see, do you see the two branches? Paul understanding the ministry of reconciliation as it relates to salvation, but then also as it relates to discipleship. All right? Here's another one of my uh, favorite. I got a lot of favorites, okay? Philippians 1 and 6. Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. So the work began at the new birth. Not, not the work for, obviously the work for you and me to be saved was, was done long before we ever arrived here. But as it relates to the work in you, it began in you when you received the gift of salvation. But aren't you glad that he who began the work in you will be faithful to complete it? Amen? That's good news right there. He's eternally committed to you. He's enthusiastically uh, concerned for you. And he is emotionally connected to you. Amen. I'm talking about our Father. He cares for you. He cares for you. So do you see again, you have to look close here, but do you see the two branches? The work began at salvation. Now it's continuing uh, through discipleship. Here's another one. Philippians uh, 2, 12 and 13. All right. It says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for His good pleasure. Wow. Okay. So work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. There are some who incorrectly uh, conclude from this that every person is to work out their own deal with God. That's, in, that's way wrong. Okay. He's talking about working it out. Again, what's in you. Jesus said when the Holy Spirit came to live in you, He would be in you forever. But He also said that He would be in you a fountain of life springing up. So we can say it this way. The Holy Spirit's in you and He wants out. Not, not out of you, but to flow out from you. Amen. Are you following me? So when He says that 
we're to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. Obviously, there has to have been a, a, a moment of salvation, a, a receiving of salvation, for us to then be in that position for that inward reality to come forth from us as an outward expression. Okay? Now, here is... Sometimes people even ask me, and they, they want to pin me down to one verse. And more times than not, over the last probably eight or ten years, um, I've, I've given this one as, as it's still one of my favorites. I've got a lot of favorites, okay? But, but listen to this verse right here, okay? Hebrews 10 and 14, it says, For by one offering, speaking of Jesus offering himself for you and me, for by one offering he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. He has perfected forever. <laughs> Listen to me now. This is one of those verses. You will never understand it if you don't understand spirit, soul, and body. Because he's literally saying that you and me, we are a perfect work in progress. How in the world could we be perfected forever and at the same time be involved in a process of being sanctified or being sanctified? Has perfected forever speaks of a past completed work. Our being sanctified speaks of a present tense ongoing work. How can it be both at the same time? Because you go from struggling to believe in faith and, and are, am I going to be taken or is he going to do this to knowing? No, no, you're missing what I'm saying. No, no, no. I mean, certainly that's a part of growing. But that's not what he's saying here. He's saying that you have been perfected forever. He's talking about your born again spirit has been perfected. The word perfected here is the Greek word teleos. It means complete, mature, with nothing lacking, nothing missing. Everything that it needs, everything that could possibly conceivably be done has been done for you. Past completed work. Amen. That's salvation. Our being sanctified, Sanctification is this process of being set apart from unto. Being set apart from unto. So I use the example of sanctification. My wife has dishes that we only use at Christmas time. Those dishes are sanctified. They are set apart from the 4th of July. They are set apart from the birthday parties we have throughout the year. They're set apart from uh, you know uh, Thanksgiving even, as special a day as that is. They're set apart unto one day, one meal of the year. Christmas. They're sanctified. And so when he says we are being sanctified, he's talking about this process that we commit ourselves to where we are being set apart from our old way of thinking unto the way God would have us see and look and understand things. So many people in, in, in religion and in, in Christianity, they preach sanctification from the perspective of behavior. They, speak, they preach sanctification from you gotta, you got to be set apart from this bad behavior. you got to be set apart from this sin. And I'm not disagreeing with that. We absolutely positively need to be set apart from the sin and from, and from the things that we're doing that, are, that, are, that are, in, are in disagreement with what God created us to do. But that will never happen consistently in our lives until we allow Him to renew our minds. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So if we continue to have a carnal mind, we're going to continue to have carnality and carnal behavior in our lives. But I'm going to, I'm going to this passage because I'm wanting you more than anything else right now to see Again, both branches of the ministry of reconciliation in one verse, one passage, have been perfected forever is what occurs at the new birth. 
Our being sanctified is another way of explaining what discipleship is about and what, it's, and what it is and what it's for. Again, this, this gradual process of our thinking coming into alignment with His truth. Like go back to the reconciling of the bank account, right? Where what we think we have and what we actually have come into alignment with one another. What we've, who we've actually become, right? Coming into alignment with what we, you know, or let me say it another way. I said that backwards. Where what we think we are and who we think we are coming into alignment and agreement with who He made us and who we truly are. Amen? Amen. All right, now. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Anybody believe it's 625 already? Yes, sir. And now you are being. <laughs> so, but, but now watch this, okay? Because, you know, there are... I have to be careful here because I, I'm, I'm not... If you're fixing to get on an airplane and fly across the Atlantic Ocean to Europe, okay? Do you want somebody to pilot that plane that loves airplanes, that subscribes to Aviation Monthly, that um, has watched all kinds of videos about airplanes but has never flown one? Or do you want somebody that's made that flight about a thousand times to be the pilot, right? Are you... You know what I'm saying there? So some, somebody who understands the theory of flying a plane or someone who's, who's actually done it. Yes? You understand what I'm Okay. All right. Now, I'm, I come to you. Listen to me now. I, I, I don't even want to say this. I'm, I'm, I'm like, Lord, do I? He's like, say it. Say it. I was standing. I was standing. Let me, yes, sir. Stay focused. Okay. Save that for later. Yes, sir. I will. Okay. Watch that. I have had the wonderful privilege of being a part of many different denominations and understanding what those different denominations believe. This church is a non-denominational church. We are a kingdom. We are a kingdom people. God only has one kingdom. And he only has one body. And Satan is the one who wants to separate and divide us all from, from one another. Okay, because a kingdom divided can't stand. A person divided, double-minded man's unstable in all his ways. A family divided, unstable in all their ways. So Satan is the one who's always trying to bring division on whatever level he can bring it. Anybody remember math class and fractions? The top number on a fraction, anybody remember what it is? Numerator. It's the numerator. Anybody remember the bottom number? Denominator. It's a denominator. Anybody remember how you turn that into uh, a division problem? It's literally one divided by four. Are you following me? Four becomes the divisor, if you will. Okay? It's the denominator. Denominator, denominations. Right? You see, you see right? 
And so what you have with denominations, anybody remember least common denominator? Anybody remember that one from math class? Okay. So what you have with denominations is the, is the, is the least common, <laughs> in other words, things that we believe as a, as a people that other people groups don't believe. And so now we've, we've become our own denomination. And you realize that there are national, international denominations that think they're the only ones that are going to be in heaven. My God, heaven, help them. Jesus, help us all, Lord. Amen. Right? It's like, you ever heard the old joke about need to be quiet because they think they're the only ones here, you know, and so don't tell them when you get to, anyway. I'll save you that joke, okay? All right. But now watch this. That, Jesus came to do two things for us. I've already told you this more than once, okay? He came to take away your sins, and He came to baptize you in the Holy Ghost, okay? And more denominational lines are drawn over those two fundamental things than any other, than any other teachings in the whole Bible. What that means, what that looks like. And so there are all these, like there's, there's Church of God, there's Church of God, Anderson, headquarters in Anderson, Indiana, there's Church of God in Christ, there's, there's it's all these different ones, right? And a lot of what it divides those different churches from one another is what they believe about sanctification. Listen to me now. Listen to me now, please. You say, well, what's that got to do with somebody flying a plane across the Atlantic Ocean? All right. Is, is I've made a lot of trips. And, and, and I've wanted to know since I was a little kid. I'm not, I'm not patting myself on the back. I'm just telling you. I want to understand these things. I came to a point in my life where I, I, was, I, was, I was very frustrated. I was done with the ministry. But I got real serious before God. And I told him, I said, sir, people are confused, but you're not. And, and there's all kinds of versions of truth, so to speak, that people have. But listen, no axe to grind, no sermon to preach, no church to start. None of that was in my heart and mind. I just wanted to know the truth so that I could teach it to my children. Okay? Amen. So, so, so just please hear me, all right? I'm not, I'm not trying to put myself up in some position that's like, they're wrong, they're wrong, they're wrong. Okay, but there's only... There's, who been, I asked you this question in class the other morning, I asked you, who benefits from us contain, continuing to be ignorant and confused? The devil does. And, and, and what religion will tell you is, well, you never know what God's going to do. God, you know, one day maybe he will, maybe he won't. Blah. You know, and again, they, they, just, they just continue to perpetuate this idea that we can't know and we can't understand and it's all just a big mystery and, and you know, we just... You know, you got your truth. Oh, my goodness gracious. Well, that's my truth. My truth is it. Who in the world do you think you are to have your own truth? Right? There's only one. He's a person. Jesus is the truth. There's not another one. There's not another one. Right? And so for those of you who have jumped on this journey with me, these 36 classes, that's, that's, that's only my only agenda. Are you hearing me? Is the truth. I'm not interested in opinions. Not interested in what this one thinks and why and that one thinks and why. What, what, see, notice all of this. Where's the consistency? Think about it for a minute. Where is the consistency in the body of Christ? Where is the obedience to let's all be on the same page? Let's all be in one accord. Let's all speak the same things. 
How about this one? Let no man say when he's tested, tempted, or tried, he's being tested, tempted, or tried by God. Raise your hand if you've ever heard a preacher tell you that God will test you, tempt you, or try you. Again, the Bible says don't say it because he doesn't do it. People say it all the time. They say it all the time. Right? Amen. So I, I don't mean this bragging. I could just about tell you what all these different denominations believe about sanctification. I'm not here to tell you that, though. That's, brother, probably, I mean, again, I don't know your situation, but I know your situation, okay? <laughs> Amen. Um, because of some of the different churches maybe that your family's been associated with over the years. And, you know, and all of them have different opinions. And they'll get knocked down and dragged out. And I'm not saying your family does. It sounds like they just sit back and laugh at all the people who are fussing and fighting over what it means. Notice now, we're fussing and fighting over what it means without ever considering that it's actually something God's wanting to do in our lives. We'd rather... See, religion will have you fussing and fighting about stuff rather than, okay, God, what, what, is, what is this for me? What are, you, what are you trying to say to me? What does this mean for me? How, how, how do you desire to work this in my life, and how can I work together with you to, to see it coming to pass in other people's lives? So we've, we've had this ministry of reconciliation committed to us, and, 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 and folks... <laughs> You know, forming these whole different denominations and, and factions in the body of Christ, arguing over what it means. Again, what it's 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 not hard. Look up the word. What does the word mean? The word sanctify means to set apart unto. They would sanctify. There were there were vessels in the temple in the Old Testament. You, you didn't put a bowl of chili. You didn't put chili in that bowl. It was set apart unto God for a specific use. Amen. And so you and me, we are being sanctified. We are being set apart from this world. We are being set apart unto God. We are being set apart from the purposes of this world to the purposes of God. We are being set apart from the ways of this world to the ways of God. We are being set apart. But listen to me now. Watch this. this all of that is true. All of that is true. But there will never be the consistency until there's consistency in our thinking. Until we're set apart from the way this world thinks unto the way God thinks. Are you seeing this? Now, that's a process. That's why it says our being. It's an ongoing process. Just curious, anybody in the room thinking more like God thinks today than you, than you were two weeks ago, six months ago? Yeah. And, 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 and so watch this now. Is life not better? Is, is life, are, we not, are we not experiencing more and seeing more? And in His light, we receive light. And the more we walk on the path that God has for us, the more obvious the next steps become and the more clear the path becomes out in front of us. And we start building momentum until it it's, couldn't be more obvious. What, maybe six months ago, we didn't, we didn't even know where to turn or what to do or where to go. Now, not only do we know where to turn, what to do, and where to go, we, we, we can go home to a family that used to laugh at folks being sanctified and, and help them come to the knowledge of the truth about it. Amen? See, we have a word for that. That's called growth. We're growing. We're growing. Amen. But now see, here, here is 
here's the part that, that is so hard sometimes because of our thinking, because of how we've been conditioned to think, how we've been trained to think. See, the world says if it looks like a duck, come on now, if it walks like a duck, if it quacks like a duck, got to be a duck, right? But what would that be? That would be violating 2 Corinthians 5 from this point forward. We don't call somebody a duck just because they walk like a duck, quack like a duck, look like a duck. Because that's outward appearance, remember? Anybody remember it? From this point forward, we regard no man according to his outward appearance. No man, no man with a womb. No male or female gender. No person. Okay? Right? But you say, well, wait a second. If it, if it walks like a duck, quacks like a duck, looks like a duck, it's got to be a duck. See, again, you're failing, you're making the same mistake that Nicodemus made. There's, was there more to Jesus than met the eye? Yes. Is there more to me and you than meets the eye? Yes. And as born again believers, double yes, triple yes. Praise God. Praise God. So, this is why the Bible uses three different verb tenses to talk about your sanctification and three different verb tenses to talk about your salvation. The same Bible that says you have been sanctified says you are being sanctified and says you will be. The same Bible that says you have been saved says you are being saved. And the same Bible that says you have been saved and are being saved speaks of your salvation as a past completed work, as a present tense ongoing work, also says that one day you will be saved. And if you've ever had a discussion <laughs> with people who believe different things about salvation than you believe, isn't it interesting how they have their verses and you have yours? They can quote the Bible to justify what they believe. You can quote the Bible to justify what you believe. And it's like, well, we'll, we'll, we'll just have to agree to disagree. But maybe there's a bigger answer that will unlock the mystery for all of us. Maybe the reason the Bible talks about your salvation in three tenses is because you're a three-dimensional being. Not maybe, absolutely that's what it is. Your spirit has been, your soul is being, your body will be. It's not, it's not either or, it's all three and. Amen. That's why the scriptures say, He has perfected forever. Come on now. He has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. Yes, sir, brother. Amen. Amen. I don't know if you're going to get to hang around tonight, brother, but God has no more consciousness of your sin, of my sin. Jesus, what Jesus has done for us. Man, I, the Lord's never said it to me this way, Sheree. Lord, Lord told me this way. He said, I dealt with your sin and I dealt with it ruthlessly. He play around with it. He dealt with it and he dealt with it ruthlessly. And what Jesus has done for us gives Father the legal and just right to no longer remember the sin that you committed. Perfected forever. Perfected forever. 
Now, so let's go back to it. You may have never heard this verse before. You may still be trying to like head swimming, like what? No, but watch this now. Watch this, okay? Now you have knowledge of it. Will you acknowledge? See, that sounds like what's happening with my, my brother back there, right? He's acknowledging. He's got knowledge now. He's acknowledging, okay, this is true about me. This is what Jesus did for me. This, this, is, this, is, this is where I am right now, okay? So now he's acknowledging it. Now no, notice what it's, now it's going to an awareness. Now it's starting to inform the way he speaks, the way he thinks, the way he speaks, the way he acts, the way he sees himself, the way he responds in situations. Amen. Amen. One more time. He has perfected forever. <laughs> oh, man. The most important part of you is complete. Amen. It's settled. It's, it's way underselling it, but it's fixed. That part's fixed. The spirit part is fixed. I asked the Lord one time, I said, Lord, why didn't you just go ahead and do in my mind and my thinking what you did in my spirit? He said, because it's a sacred line I will not cross without your permission. Didn't create us to be programmed robots. Right? Didn't create us. If, if all he was looking for, I mean, he could have just programmed us to where we couldn't do anything but what he wanted. But then we wouldn't be free to choose to love him. Amen. Now, he's going to work really hard together with you, but, but if your mind's ever going to change, if your mind is ever going to be renewed, if your mind is ever going to be reconditioned with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Word of God, then you're going to have to cooperate in the process. Anybody want to take a wild guess at what we call that process? <laughs> Discipleship, right? <laughs> Discipleship. Amen. Come and I'll give. Take my yoke upon you. Learn of me, gentle and lowly in heart, and you'll find the rest. You'll find what I've given. You'll discover it in your life reality. Amen? Amen. All right, everybody still love me? You're not upset with me, are you? Kind of come on strong tonight. Strong, strong word. It's a strong word. If truth breaks chains, then strong truth needs, is needed for strong chains. Am I right about it? Okay. Father, you're good to us. We love you. Thank you for helping us. Thank you for always being there for us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you, Father, that, that we are coming to the knowledge of the truth. And, Lord, even those in the room that have heard some of these things before, Father, you just, you just uh, deepening the roots and lengthening the, the, the vines and strengthening the trunk, Lord, to support more more fruit in our lives for your glory, Father. Thank you, Lord, for those that are here. Thank you for those, Lord, that are watching elsewhere. I pray, Father, that, that you would be glorified by the results that that your truth and wisdom is producing in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for tuning in online. Thank you for being here tonight. Much love to you and yours. Good things coming. Uh, we will see you next week. Hey, let me go. While you're making your Thanksgiving plans, we will not have class the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. Okay, that's about the only one. I think Christmas is falling on a Monday this year. So we'll, we'll have class the week of Christmas and New Year, at least the week of Christmas. But no class on the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. It's a few weeks out. So make a note of that as you plan your calendars. We love you. Thank you for being here. Good things come and stay warm.